Let's pray. God, we just uh, we sang these songs and we've uh, um, reflected in our own hearts and also just the words in that last bridge about how after you rose Jesus, the church was started and you had never intended for it to only be about the disciples at that time. You had never intended it for it to only be 12 or, or the handful that were in that room. Uh, God, you had... Jesus, you intended it for it to go into all the nations. And so today we're part of this incredible story. We're part of this incredible journey, Jesus, of what you started when you came and when you laid your life down. And God, we're part of this beautiful picture and story of what what you started when you created humanity. And you gave your love to Adam and Eve And you've just continued to give your love to us. And we're here today in 2023, recipients of this agape love, this continuous, beautiful, never forsaking love. And we just want to receive it. And I think we've already done that to some degree in our song, in our interaction with each other. But I pray now that our spirits would just be open to receiving your love this morning. As Mary said, Maria said there, maybe we're here with different states of mind. We're here with different troubles. We're here with different joys. We're here with different complications. So I invite that your spirit would come now and rest on each one. Not just with head knowledge, but a true experience and expression. You are here, and we're so grateful, and we worship you. And God's people said, amen. Wow, it's a full house. I have a feeling last week, some of you were like, oh, you want us to all come to church, so we'll all come in the 1030 service. Um, so I want to remind some of you that there is a, this incredible service at 12 o'clock. And if any of you would be like, I could do that, um, make your way over there. And we would love to have you. And uh, we're just excited um, for what God is doing in our midst. Um, man, this week again, we just some beautiful stories um, of what God is doing, and if you're new here today, my name is Ike Unger, I'm the lead pastor here at Deer Run Church, and it's my privilege uh, to speak to us this morning, and I will just caution you, today is maybe going to sound a little bit more like a, a mission report, and not so much a sermon, and I know last week was already a little bit like that, and if you're like, man, give us some scripture already, it's coming, um, there's a theme that we're working with, and I need to lay some foundation stuff down, and I want you to have some information before we go into, um, you know, deeper into the theme, and especially as we go into our next series, uh, and starting in February, where we're going to look at being healthy. And so there's some things I need you to understand. Last week, we talked about our theme. We talked about how we want to, this year, as a church, really focus on being connected We want to also focus this year as a church, not just to do ministry to families, but through families. We're asking each of you, whether you're parents, whether you're grandparents, whether you're children, um, to 
understand that the growth of the church and the identity of the church in the body, as a family church, we need one another. We don't want to be disconnected. We want to recognize that, but we also want to make not changes, but we want to include and invest more as a family church. So today what I want to do is I want to talk about something um, that as far as like this theme of living as a church and this idea of, you know, how to be church, which is a theme for the year and this living as a church, a theme for this month, that we need to recognize that we're not an island church. This isn't just about Deer Run Church. When we talk about church, especially, you know, the big C church, the global church, we need to have an understanding of what is going on in the world. And I'm guessing many of you um, haven't maybe taken time in recent months or even years to really study and to understand what is God doing in other parts of the world. In in this post-COVID, you know, and then during COVID, hey, the North American church, and it may be everywhere, but I think we as a church, we became very inward focused. We were frustrated with our own things. We were frustrated with what we weren't allowed to do and what we were allowed to do. And, and we, we even got frustrated with each other. Good old family, right? Just some, when times are hard, let's go at it. That's, that's awesome. So I think it's important for us now to think about what's God doing globally? What is happening in the global church? And so that's what I want to focus on today. Um, I think that it's, it's important for us to understand some of these facts and, and some of this uh, information. So I'll just tell you right now, my research and my information is coming from Lifeway Research, just so you know that this isn't just stuff I've come up with the top of my head. And they had a group called the Center for the Study of Global Christianity at the Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary do this research for them. And they combined it. And so I'm going to be using um, that information today. And I've also read multiple other books on this topic. And there's, there's a lot of resources. But I'm going to be quoting mostly from um, the Lifeway research um, um, articles and re- uh, information that came out. So I'm going to warn you also, if you're not a numbers person, uh, you're going to struggle maybe a little bit to follow along. And so it's recorded, and if you need to listen to it again later today or this week, um, I apologize for all the numbers, but at the same time, numbers are true. Numbers tell us what it is. Numbers give us a picture. No one's sitting there going, like, is that blue or is that, you know, I don't know any offshoots for blue, so I can't even use that. That's why it's not in my notes. Um, So those of you that can do that, great. But Let's look at seven encouraging things about the global church. Capital C, okay? Not North America, not, you know, Europe, global church. What is happening globally in the, in the big church? Jesus came to build, not Deer Run Church, but the church. Capital C church. And so let's look at that. First one is this. One, religious faith is growing faster than the irreligious. And this is interesting because this does not just include Christianity. This includes, obviously, all faith. And so we might be tempted to say, ooh, that's not a good one then. But here in the West, in our society, um, it feels sometimes like secularism is growing and people are leaving the church or people are leaving faith or they're leaving religion. However, globally, that is not the case. Globally, it's it's the exact opposite. Globally, more people are open 
to a faith journey now. Again, not necessarily Christian, but a faith journey. And the moment someone is more open to a faith journey, then obviously the gospel would also be something they would be more receptive to. So here we go. Let's start with some numbers. The number of religious people is growing at a 1.27% rate, while the growth of non-religionists is less than half of that at 0.52%. This is well below the population growth rate and the number of atheists, those who just decide to believe in nothing, has grown by only 0.18%, making it basically stagnant. There are fewer atheists today, and it's estimated that there are about 147 million atheists today than there were back in 1970 when there were 165 million atheists. And it's believed that the number of atheists is going to continue to decline. I've read some reports that say atheism is really only a Western Christian or Western church or Western uh, world um, concern. In most other parts of the world, uh, people believe in God or a God of some sort. And so this might sound like, well, how is this good news if it's happening you know, to all religions? But as I said... This includes Christianity. So number two, Christianity continues to grow. Not only is religion growing overall, but Christianity specifically is growing. With a growth of a 1.17% growth rate, almost 2.56 billion people identified in, as Christians in 2022. By 2050... It is expected that there will be 3.3 billion Christians globally. Catholics remain the largest Christian growth group with almost 1.26 billion believers. But the two fastest growing Christian groups or, or traditions right now are the world, in the world are evangelicals with a 1.8% growth rate and the charismatic with a 1.88% growth rate. Now, if you don't know anything about the charismatic movement, um, it's an interesting movement to study. Um, the dramatic growth rate of the charismatic movement um, is something that is important to take note of. It's actually very noteworthy. In 1990, we're going to use this number often because uh, <coughs> excuse me, many of the numbers that we look at are kind of referenced off of 1990. In 1990, there were less than one million people in the world who identified as Pentecostal or charismatic. It is believed that by 2050, that number will be at one billion. So that's a tremendous growth rate. And if you look at that in comparison to the Catholic group, this char the charismatic denomination of the, char the charismatic tradition uh, is growing rapidly. Now you might be wondering, we're not a charismatic church, so don't feel threatened, it's okay. God bless them, they're, they're a phenomenal denomination, and they're doing amazing things. And you might be wondering, why is their growth so rapid? Why is there so much happening in the charismatic denomination, or the Pentecostal denomination? In a course that I recently took called Protestant um, Spiritual Formation, one of the reasons that was given for the rapid growth of the Pentecostal denomination is their focus as a movement to restore the power of the early church to evangelize the world before the end of history. Uh, if you remember the early years of the, um, the Pentecostal movement, they had these big tent revivals. And that 
heart of revival is still very much at the core of their denomination. And so this is something that continues to happen. I have a number of, of really good, charismatic, Pentecostal friends. And in their churches, very often, you sense there's a lot more of these revival services. And that is something that is, that is at the heart of what they do. And it is causing tremendous growth. Now, a little side note here. If you're interested in studying this more um, about the different um, Protestant traditions, uh, Frank Sen, S-E-N-N, um, he's written these two volumes um, called The Protestant Spiritual Traditions, and I would highly recommend them. And I can see all of you are writing that down because you plan on buying these today. And so good for you. I, I hear the rustling of pens and papers as you jot that name down. Frank Sen. In case you're interested, and anyway, it's a, good, it's a good read or good reads. Number three, growth is fastest in the global south. And you've already heard me talk about the West, you know, Western Christianity. Um, another term that you need to learn is this term, the global south. If you've never, meant, never heard of that, uh, what do we mean by this term? The global south includes countries with developing economics in Latin America, Africa, Asia, and Oceania. And so those are, when we talk about the global south, those are the locations or those are, the, those are at the heart of where we are talking about. Now, it's important to recognize that the global south is not a geographical precise term. You know that, for example, Australia and New Zealand are in the south but are considered western nations and China is well above north of the equator, but is considered as being part of the global south. So the global south, Christianity in that area, is where Christianity is growing the fastest. Now, anyone want to guess which continent Christianity is growing the fastest? Anyone? Africa. Africa is above, far above, all the rest. Africa is seeing a 2.77% um, growth. And Asia is seeing a 1.5% growth. In 2020, and these, these numbers, if you can follow, great. If not, I apologize. I was going to try to make slides to keep up with it all. But I think that would have just been even more confusing. But here we go. Let's try to get these numbers down. In the year 2000, 814 million million Christians lived in Europe and North America, while 660 million Christians called Africa and Asia home. Okay? In 2022, 838 million lived in the global north, which would be um, uh, the, like North America and Europe, while almost 1.1 billion lived in Africa and Asia. And so you can see this rapid, rapid growth of Christians in those areas. In 1990, twice as many Christians lived in Europe than in the rest of the world combined. Okay? Today, more Christians live in Africa than on any other continent. By 2050, Africa will be home to 1.3 billion Christians, while Latin America and Asia will have more than Europe and North America. It is estimated that by 2050, North America will only have 276 million Christians. So it's important for us to recognize that North America is no longer the Christian 
hub. Now, I do not say that as a celebration. I do not say that in any way, but it's something for us to recognize that while we're here, we may find ourselves at times very discouraged by what is happening, but it's not a reflection of what's happening in North America. It's not a reflection of what is happening globally. Now, what is beautiful about the growth of Christianity in Africa and in the global south is that much of that work of evangelizing and the sending of missionaries is now being done by the global south. They are sending missionaries among their own people into other countries within their continent, and and I think this is a beautiful thing to see. North America has for many, many years been seen as the authority on Christianity, and missions especially. We, the North, the West, you know, we were the ones sending out missionaries and leading, leading people. And, and I think that was a, a beautiful thing and it's something we should not abandon. But at the same time, it is awesome to see that in the global South, when churches um, become, you know, when, are established, and when people give their life to Christ, that those churches are now also sending out missionaries. And I think this is a beautiful thing for us to celebrate and a big reason for their growth. Now, I want to just, another little side note here. If you have Spotify, or if you have Apple Music, or if you have YouTube, um, which I think most of us have access to, uh, but especially if you have Spotify and Apple Music, I want to encourage you, you can go on in there and you can find music from other parts of the world, Christian music, worship music. And I think it's important for us as the West to every now and then tune in to learn their songs. You know, I, I, it's one of the things, it's different melodies, it's different culture, and I, and I personally, I love it. But I think it's important for us as the West not to see ourselves as though we are above what they're doing. There are some incredible thinkers, theologians, and also musicians in the global South. And I want to encourage you, if you can, just learn some of their songs and listen to some of their music. You may not understand their lyrics, but I think it's a, it's a beautiful way for us to connect with what's happening and what God is doing in that part of the world. Number four, Christianity continues to spread out. As Christianity continues to grow in the global south, it is also becoming increasingly less concentrated. Okay, In 1990... of all Christians lived in a majority Christian country. Think about that. That's like saying 15 years ago, the majority of the billionaires either lived in California or the Middle East. Very concentrated little place. In 1990, think about this, 95% of Christians lived in a Christian majority country, meaning much of the world's, didn't even know who Christians were. So this is something that I think is beautiful that is changing. In 2022, that number has fallen to 53.7%. And by 2050, most Christians, around 50 to 50, uh, 50.4% around the world, will be living in non-majority Christian nations. Now, we may feel somewhat threatened by that, But I think it's important for us to recognize that the gospel of Jesus is no longer just really focused in North America or in the West. It is now being spread rapidly to all the world. So let's look at some verses that we're well familiar with and see whether 
What Jesus has called the church to do is being fulfilled. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, you know these verses. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then in Acts, Jesus says it a little bit different. Luke records it this way. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I think this is beautiful for us to see now, a reflection of this happening. Christians around the world are going out into places that we've never been before and the gospel is being received, accepted, and then continues to spread. During the history of the church and the history of Christianity, there has always been those, there's always been those who have gone beyond borders and gone beyond boundaries and shared Jesus in places that were difficult to reach. At the same time, during the history of Christianity, Christianity has often found itself confined to certain locations and to certain countries. So to see that this is no longer the case, I think is beautiful and I think is refreshing. Praise God for that fact that in places like Asia and Africa, local missionaries are continuing to go out and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus to remote, unreached people. Number five, the percentage of non-Christians who know a Christian is climbing. And this might not seem like an important one to you, but I think this is incredibly important and also very intimidating. So let me ask you a question. How many of you, by show of hands, know a person who is a non-Christian? Wow. All right, you're dismissed. Go to work. Now let me ask you this question. Do you think that they know that you are a Christian? Yeah. I think most of the time, we think we've kept that a secret from them. And the reality is that Christian, even though in the West here, it's a bit of a tricky term these days because it's kind of been politicized. But none, anyway, what we're seeing now is that with more Christians living outside of Christian nations, more non-Christians know a Christian. And you might be thinking, well, what's, what's so beautiful about that? But think about that for a moment. Every time a non-Christian actually knows a Christian, there is a greater opportunity to share the gospel. Because what we know for a fact is that the gospel is more likely to be received, especially in some cultures, by a person who knows a person. If you just hear it on TV, and yes, there's beautiful stories of that. But there's something about trusting a friend who is able to journey with you and tell you the gospel. So the fact that so many more people now know a non-Christian or know a Christian, I think this is encouraging for the spread of the gospel. Again, going back to the date of 1900, in 1900, only 5.4% of non-Christians could identify a Christian that they knew. 5.4%. That percentage has risen to 183 today, and it is believed by 2050, 
one in five non-Christians will know a person who has a relationship with Jesus. So as a result, the percentage of unevangelized people around the world continues to fall. In 1900, more than half of the world's population, 54.3% was unevangelized, meaning they had never heard the gospel of Jesus. That number has now fallen to 28%. And you all cheered. That is amazing. <laughs> nothing like forced applause, eh, folks? Nothing, nothing like it. I know you're all trying to wrap your heads around numbers, but think about that for a moment. 28%, that's still a lot of people. But only 28% of the world today has not heard about Jesus. When in 1990, that number was 54%. I think sometimes, church, and maybe if I was speaking to the whole Western church, I think sometimes, you know, especially for us here today, we may feel a little bit like, oh, everything is difficult. You know, there's constant secular issues and there's struggles and, and there's all these different things. And maybe at times we even feel a little bit like Elijah. Remember after he had this incredible mountaintop experience and he goes and, and he, he does some pretty crazy things. He has all these prophets put to death and, and then Jezebel finds out and she's like, I'm going to kill you. And Elijah takes off. And what's the thing that he says to God when God's like, what are you doing here? These are the words of Elijah in 1 Kings 19 verse 10. He's replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And here's his favorite, or his famous line, I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. I think you and I might feel that way a little bit sometimes, like, man, God, we, we're trying to live, but our, our culture, our society, our, our, you know, there's a movement against, and we're, we feel so alone. We might even feel like we're the only ones left. Remember what God said to Elijah? God says to Elijah, go back the way you came. Go back to the very place I called you to. And I would say to us today, dear unchurch, this is where God has called you to. You were born into this privilege of North American and comfort and all that, but God also called you to the place where you were born. And if you feel discouraged, let these words from God to Elijah maybe sit with us. He says, I have reserved 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed the knee. So you and I might feel alone like Elijah did, and God is saying to Elijah, you have no idea what I have been doing behind the scenes. And I think the same is true for us today. We might feel at times like we're alone, we're the only ones, and, and we're drudging through, but God has or God is doing this amazing work in the world. Jesus said that he would build his church, and there is evidence and proof of that is exactly what he is doing. Jesus cannot be stopped, and the growth of the global church is proof of that. Number six, more than 90 billion Bibles were printed in 2022. As Christianity continued to grow, their printing of Bibles continues to grow along with it. This year, 93 million copies of God's Word were printed, up from 54 million in the year 2020, and 5 million back in 1990. By 2025, 
It is believed that 100 million Bibles will be printed each year. Currently, there are almost 1.8 billion Bibles in circulation. And by 2020, uh, 2050, that number is believed to be 2.3 billion. Now, those are printed Bibles, never mind all the resources that we have online. God's Word continues to grow. Here's just a, a recent story. In December 9, um, 2021, there's a new 9, um, 2021 there's a new version or a new Bible that was um, presented in India to the Tulugu, um, uh, langu- in the Tulugu language. There are 90 million Tulugus speaking, and I'm sure I'm butchering that, in India. Think about it. In 2009, I mean, sorry, 2001, December 9, they finally received their own study Bible with QR codes so that they can dive deeper into this language. Tulugu is the fourth most common language in India, and it took until 2021 for them to receive a study Bible. So again, there is amazing things happening, and I think we need to celebrate and and recognize what God is doing. And then number seven, last one. Fewer Christians are dying for their faith today. I say fewer, not none. In 2000, the status of global Christianity marked a rate of 1.6 million Christian martyrs over a 10-year period. 1.6 million Christians in 10 years died for their faith. In 2022, they estimated that the decade-long number had gone down to only nine, or gone down to 900,000, which is still an incredibly high number but it is also a significant decrease. And so some amazing things are happening um, around the world. And at the same time, even though in 2021 there was a real boost again of, of persecution, overall the trend is going downward. And regardless of the tr- trend, we must continue to pray for the fo- our fellow Christians around the world who are experiencing persecution. Here's a map of where most of the Christians, the top 55 nations where Christians are being persecuted the most. North Korea has often been ranked, or has almost always been ranked, the number one place for persecution since um, the open doors started tracking this back in 1992. And for the first time in their season of tracking, Afghanistan has now topped the world list in 2022. This is not due to progress in North, America, uh, in North Korea, This is due to the rise of the Taliban in Afghanistan. And so let's continue to pray for our fellow Christians around the world. Now I understand as we, you know, look at this list and we're like, oh, this is good news, but I end with persecution. Some of you might be thinking, well, that kind of sounds like not all that great after all. But I think it's important for us to recognize that when it drops by that much, that is something to celebrate. And we want to continue to pray for those around the world who are struggling and who are being persecuted and who are going and sharing the gospel in these very difficult places. But I think at the same time, it is important for us to recognize the growth of the global church, to see that what we are part of is growing. Last year, we, ended, we had the series on Anabaptism. And we looked at our history 
and did a general overview of Anabaptists around the world. And I think for a lot of us Anabaptists, a lot of us Mennonites, we just kind of assume that every Anabaptist is white. That every Anabaptist, or any, every Mennonite, I should say, likes Schmonfot and, and the Mataschloop and, and those kind of things. And we just kind of think that, well, they must all be from those countries. Well, here's a map of where the majority of Anabaptists actually are. Anybody see it? The majority of Anabaptists are not white. They're in Africa. That's where most of our Anabaptist brothers and sisters live. So today is actually Anabaptist World Fellowship Sunday. And I thought we should take a moment to recognize that we are part of something that is global. Anabaptists worldwide. You can show these pictures. This is some information I got from the world's um, Mennonite World Conference website. If you want, take a look at that. These are a gathering of Anabaptists all over the world, singing, worshiping. I collected photos from when they were, this was in Pennsylvania, and all over, all different parts of the world, where God is working, and where people who have a similar theology, a similar belief than we do, are gathering and worshiping and growing the church. The Anabaptist church is, is also growing rapidly. One of the things that they have in focus and in common with us is the, the movement towards peace. And here's a short excerpt from a sermon from Jeremiah Chow. Um, he's a pastor who serves at the Agape Mennonite Church in Hong Kong. That's correct. Mennonite Church in Hong Kong. He writes this. He says, There are conflicts in this society, in this family and in churches, there is no peace. Our challenge is that. How to be peacemakers when others choose to be violent. And how to live together in a hostile environment. What positions are the churches taking? He's writing, he's still speaking about his congregation. He says, I will never forget this. On, tw- on June 12, 2019... I was standing in the middle of the road next to the Hong Kong government headquarters. On my right hand, there were Christians singing hymns and praying for Hong Kong. While on my left, there were protesters trying hard to block the road outside. In Hong Kong, he says, some churches choose to stand on the yellow side and some choose the blue. However, we Mennonites, as a peace church, We choose standing on Jesus' side. We want to be a bridge between the yellow and the blue. A bridge between the peaceful and the violent. A bridge between the people and the government. A bridge between the protesters and the police. We have the obligation to promote peace. We regard that this is a way to follow Jesus, and here we stand. That is written by a pastor from an Anabaptist church in Hong Kong. As a fellow Anabaptist pastor, he is doing his best to lead his congregation to follow Jesus in a world that is so complicated. And I can't even imagine how much more complicated it must be in his context. 
So while it's exciting to see that the global church is growing and sending out missionaries, dear in church, we as a Western church cannot abandon the call of Jesus in our lives. We cannot abandon the great or neglect the great commission. We need to go into our communities, into our neighborhoods, to our co-workers, to our classmates, to our friends, and even to our family members, and share the gospel of Jesus with them. It is very likely that you work with someone who knows that you are a Christian. So be brave. Be bold. Invite them to church. See, that, see if they are open to a conversation about faith. Don't be rude. Don't be bossy. Don't be arrogant. But at the same time, don't be silent. If you truly believe that you have the greatest news of all time, then let us do what the global church is doing and let's take this gospel to the people that we know, to the people that we are in contact with. Share it by how you live. Share it by how you speak. Share it by how you interact with others. And so if you feel alone today, I hope this sermon has opened your eyes just a glimpse to give you a glimpse of what God is doing globally. Jesus is building his church. We are part of this. And so let's continue along this journey. I hope that today you are encouraged, but I hope that you are also inspired by what God is doing around the world. We need to see the bigger picture, to praise God for what he is doing, and then also to do our part. Let's close in a word of prayer. So first of God, we want to just give you praise for what you are doing around the world. And then Lord, I want to pray specifically right now for our Anabaptist churches and our fellow brothers and sisters in all different parts of the world. I pray God that today they would receive and experience your goodness and your presence in a way that would help them to just continue to move forward and to share the gospel of Jesus. I also pray for us here as Dear One Church. Lord, help us not become lazy. Help us not to become complacent. Help us not to become comfortable, distracted. But Lord, may we, like the global church, especially the global south right now, would we embrace this gift of salvation in such a way that it is contagious and it just pours out of us in a way that draws people to you, Jesus. So as we go from here now, I pray that each one of us would recognize that we have been called by you to go and to make disciples. I pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless.